TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Snare drum time does indeed mean Score North Gopher Show time. Welcome in, welcome aboard to another edition of the Score North Gopher Show, available wherever it is that you find your podcast, whether that be via Apple, Spotify, or the always free Score North mobile app. We certainly appreciate it. As you wish, as you will, please give us a favorable review. We would love a five-star review on Apple from you if you are so inclined. I would be Ross Brendel, shameless plug, at Brendel Ross on Twitter. James Murphy, he is, we'll call him on assignment this week, not around, but I am joined by Daniel House at Daniel House NFL on the Twitter machine. Daniel, how you been, buddy? This is our first chance catching up in a few weeks. I'm doing well. It's nice that you're back and you've you've paid your and, and moving on after uh, falsifying the injury report. I think that is grossly overstated because I never fully committed to doing that show. I want you to know what what you don't know. I, I should actually go back and read this interaction. The closest I ever got to telling Murph that I would be here was, quote, it's going to be close, (laughs) end quote. So what I want from you, I want a fine levied to Murph for basically gross mischaracterization of our conversation. Well, we need to get the group of three together to determine this. This is a whole other separate entity of the podcast. This is still uh, under further review. I think there will be a chance, I believe, next Friday for the band to get back together. And there'll be plenty to talk about at that time because we'll be previewing what will be one way or another a big gopher game against Iowa at the barn next Sunday That neither here nor there. We have a lot to get into today, Daniel, including a lot of gopher football talk. But we will start with the basketball squad. They picked up a very nice, a huge win against Wisconsin by a final score of 70-52 to earlier this week. Daniel, for lack of a better way of putting it, the game was just fairly easy. Kind of nondescript if you were watching it. The Gophers... Did their part, Gabe Kelsher making shots again, Otubru at times taking over the game. A, a fairly easy is probably not the right word, but the game just never felt in doubt from the get-go. It's one of the most complete wins I've seen from the Gophers in a very long time. I was actually trying to stretch my memory back to when I saw them play a game like that in general, especially against Wisconsin with such a convincing win. A look at the big thing from that game was how well Willis and Kelsher played. And and Murph and I talked about this on the last podcast. If you can get one of those guys to shoot the ball well, it opens up the spacing significantly. And you saw the effects of that because it gives Oturu more room to work. I thought Patino did a really nice job of mixing things up with ball screens, dribble handoffs, post touches, getting that inside-out action. And then defensively, I thought they did a really nice job of playing really strong defense around the perimeter. Wisconsin was one for 16 in the second half from three, and a combination of that was poor shooting, but also strong perimeter defense. Patino's done a nice job of rotating guys. I like how he gets Isaiah Enan 
uh, minutes. He had 12 minutes in the last game and provided some value. So I like the way this is heading for this team. If Willis or Kelsher can get hot, it really changes everything because you're not relying so much on Carr and Oturu to shoulder the load every single night. Well, it's a good sign for the Gophers and a good sign for Richard Pitino. It goes without saying, in the years that the Gophers have made the tournament, they have closed seasons really well, and you hope that earlier this week against Wisconsin at home was a sign of things to come with Penn State coming up, and then we mentioned next week with Iowa, definitely some opportunities to pick up big wins. I found it interesting, as I like to call them when things don't go well, Daniel, Crooked Lenardi knocking the uh, Gophers down. They get a nice win, and then he moved him down in his uh, latest bracketology. Did you see that? I was surprised that that happened, especially when you look at the Gophers' strength of schedule and where they align in the race compared to other teams. But, hey, Saturday's game is a huge one for their potential resume. If you can come out of there, way Penn State's playing right now with a win I think you significantly improve your chances, and I, I don't think there's any way the bracketologists are leaving the Gophers off their rankings heading into next week. I think this is a very tough question to answer. It's tough to quantify. I've never been in the building, but in your opinion, Daniel, why do the Gophers struggle so much when they go to Happy Valley? That place has not been kind to them over the years, especially with teams that the Gophers were just flat out better than. Sometimes I felt like it related to the arena atmosphere. Just there wasn't a lot of electricity in that building. Nobody was really excited for the game. They were playing in front of small crowds. Now they're they're going to have a packed house. It looks like it's going to be a sellout. And after the way that they played at, at Michigan State, coming out of there with a victory, Lamar Stevens was fantastic. And you see the reason why he stayed. He wanted to take Penn State to the NCAA tournament, and he's got them in a position to do that. And after the last time these two teams played, where there was the little brush up in the in the and when they were shaking hands and all night long, there was a double technical between Watkins and Aturu, and there was a lot of talking going on the first time. So, like I said a few weeks ago, this is going to be the popcorn game tomorrow. Daniel is a very fun day in Gopher Land, and when I say tomorrow, this podcast, full disclosure and fairness, being recorded. Friday afternoon on February the 7th. Tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock, Gophers in Penn State. 5 o'clock in men's hockey, Gophers in Michigan State. Daniel, on the line this weekend in hockey is first place. We won't spend a ton of time on that today. I actually have something in the works for next week to talk more Gopher hockey in this feed. But tomorrow, a really fun day for fans at the University of Minnesota. You essentially have a four-hour block of really meaningful late-season games. It's going to be a ton of fun. Again, Gophers at Penn State at 3 o'clock, Minnesota hosting Michigan State in hockey at 5 o'clock. Daniel, what's gone wrong for Wisconsin this year, and is Wisconsin maybe finally taking a little bit of a step back, or is this season maybe just a blip on the radar for Badgers basketball? Well, when you look at that team, Ross, do you really see a dynamic player like they've had in the past with Sam Decker, Bronson Koenig, Ethan Happ, like all of those guys were Frank Kaminsky. All those guys were key dynamic players that you had to scheme for and that you were really worried about heading into a game. Right now, I see a lot of role players, guys that yep, exactly. do their jobs. 
I don't see that one guy that you're like, wow, th- th- he's a big threat and we have to dedicate resources to, to defending him. Reavers, to me, speaking of uh, Reavers with Wisconsin, obviously, to me, the comparison when I watch him play, a little bit of a different player, obviously, but he kind of reminds me of the Gabe Kelsher type. He's probably not... I don't want to say Gabe Kelsher is just a role player, but I think I know, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. He's not role player, but he's probably not ever going to be the best player on the team. And right now at times he shows spurts of being their best player. And I don't think that that's that, that is not good for Wisconsin basketball at this point. Well, I just see a team that doesn't really threaten you with a dynamic score. And the closest thing that I witnessed to that was, probably Kobe King and when he left the program then that changed everything and he was that guy that I felt like could develop into that that dynamic score so now Wisconsin with all the Kobe King stuff they had going on and then Brad Davison with the suspension it's not going to get any easier for them moving forward as you look at their schedule down the stretch I I would not be surprised if if they don't make the tournament you mentioned Brad Davison is it possible is he the biggest, we'll call it quote-unquote, villain right now in the Big Ten? And and could he possibly be the biggest villain in all of college basketball? It's He reminds me of A.J. Pierzynski back in the day. Ozzie Guillen had the famous line of basically saying, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you kind of want to punch him out. That's that's what Brad Davison reminds me of. I'm not saying people should try and attack him and beat him up, but he's one of those guys where I think if he played for the Gophers, I think Gopher fans would defend him and love him. But when he's on the other team, he just drives you crazy. He's the exact prototype of that villain that every team has from time to time. You watch the NBA and there's that player that just, just plays that way all the time. And Brad Davison has developed that reputation. And you look at what happened in that Iowa game where he got the suspension and it all comes back to when you have repeat offenses, you're going to have people watching you all the time. The big 10 officials are well aware of what Brad Davison's done leading up to this. And then the fact that he was there, what surprised me was he's suspended by the big 10 conference, but he's able to sit on the bench for that game against Michigan state. And he wasn't like suspended and away from the team for a game. Instead, he got to be around all the team activities, which was kind of strange to me. I want to turn your attention a little bit, Daniel, to the Big Ten as a whole. I know this has been a little bit of an evergreen topic here on the Score North Gophers show. As we sit today, you posed the question a few weeks back, how many teams do do we think as a group would make the tournament? I think I settled right around eight. I think I said eight. I'm going to hold to that. So I'm going to tell you who I think if the tournament starts today is in. You tell me in your mind, Daniel, if I've left anybody off or if there's somebody I have in that you don't think should be there. Sound fair? Sounds fair. It sounds fair, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put the currently ranked teams in. Maryland is in. Illinois is in. Michigan State is in. Penn State is in, Iowa is in, Rutgers is in, Indiana is probably safely in, and I'm going to go ahead and guess, I feel like Ohio State's safely in. Everybody else, Purdue, Minnesota, on the bubble, 
Michigan, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I literally just named everybody in the Big Ten other than Nebraska and Northwestern. But I guess the teams that I would leave off at the current moment would be Minnesota and maybe even Purdue. Is that fair? I think that's fair at this stage. The Gophers are really close to being in the conversation. If they win on Saturday, absolutely moving up. When I see the whole landscape of the Big Ten, all the teams that you mentioned, it's very accurate. Purdue, they've been oddly successful at home. They've blown out some really good teams like Virginia, and then the other night Iowa comes in there, and and they put up over 100 points on them. Uh, It's tough to project where Purdue's going to be. Ohio State's been inconsistent, but now I feel like they're starting to get into a rhythm, and Michigan, I'm not sure. I could see Michigan not making it. That's another team that I would probably add into that mix right now, being 4-7 and seven in the conference, just looking at their schedule. But Minnesota, Purdue, and Michigan all feel like teams, in addition to Nebraska and Northwestern, that uh, Nebraska and Northwestern are way off the beating path. But those other teams that I listed, they, they seem to be the ones that are on the bubble right now. I know a lot of these wins overall for a lot of these teams are in the non-conference against teams that you should show up and beat. But Daniel, in a conference with 14 teams, right now 12 of them have winning records. That's insane at this point. You look at the net rankings, too. There's still, I believe, 12 teams in the top 50 of the net rankings. I mean, it, it's incredible to see the, the parity in this league right now. And when you talk to coaches and they they are discussing it in their press conferences there's guys that have been in this league for a decade and they have not witnessed anything quite like this uh can you imagine what the big 10 tournament will be like this year who's going to win that like there's no favorite going into it because the teams are so competitive from top to bottom yeah and to that competitive balance that you just talked about the rankings show it no team higher than nine and then right behind that you have four teams in the current rankings in the top 22. So think about that. You have five teams ranked and they're all nine between nine and 22. That alone shows the balance and the potential, the potential chaos. The Gophers, you mentioned net rankings in the top 50. The Gophers, I looked this morning, currently at 42. And in fairness to Purdue, Joe Lenardi has them as of this morning here on this Thursday, February 7th as one of the teams with the last four by so currently also on the bubble do you care to offer any type of uh i want to ask you for a prediction i don't really like doing that but how did the gophers beat penn state tomorrow well in last time it felt like the the post play was the big difference you know penn state's a very physical team they're going to crash the glass a lot in rebounding margin they're one of the top teams in the Big Ten, so you've got to be able to control the glass. I thought that was one of the things that they did really well against Wisconsin. They were able to get a lot of offensive rebounds early in the game. Demir and Oturu were really effective there. And then their positioning uh, on the other end uh, with defensive rebounding I thought was solid. It was just collectively one of their best games. So I want to see them build upon that and and uh, not get caught up in the emotions of the Penn State game. Like, you know that there's going to be some tension after the last game and the way that, that, that everything ended. You have to be able to maintain your composure, come into a hostile environment, try to find a way to win. And if you can 
get production out of the backcourt again. I want to see them continue to string together successful performances from Willis and Kelsher. Was that just a one-night deal, or is it going to continue down the stretch? Because if it does, the Gophers become a legitimate threat. They have four players in double figures the other night. If they can continue to get that every single game, they're going to be competitive with every team that they have in the rest of their schedule. Daniel, let's do this. Let's mix in a very quick break and kind of separate our basketball talk from a lot of football talk. We have a transfer to talk about. We have a former offensive coordinator to talk about. We have Gophers going to the Combine to talk about. And we also have former Gophers coaches on the move. So much to talk about. So little time. Actually, it's a podcast. We have infinite time, but we'll keep it to little time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. I'm Ross Brendel, Daniel House on the line, and this is the Score North Gophers show. Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance. It's our business to protect yours. And welcome back, Score North Gophers Show. Again, Daniel House joining us at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. I'm Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. We do expect that hopefully next week it will be myself, Daniel, and James Murphy back together again. The band back together, hopefully next week. Daniel, April 4th is the announced date for the Golden Gopher football spring game. Will it actually happen in the form they intended to happen this year at TCF Bank Stadium with a big crowd, or is it going to be warmer today here in early February than it will be on April 4th? Because the the record since P.J. Fleck has been here of getting one of these spring games to go off smoothly, it's it's been trouble getting it in. It's It's actually, for lack of a better term, it's been kind of comical how every year the weather's just been deplorable. Well, Ross, I, you know me. I, I look at everything. I've already started exploring with the weather <laughs> monthly forecast. And looking at the trends, I believe they will be outside. I hope so. Daniel, no joke. Spring game is one of my favorite days of the year. A bunch of buddies of mine, and I, I mean this, it started out with like four. Now it's up to ten. We get there way too early. We tailgate for the spring game, we watch the spring game, and then we typically hang out afterwards. It's an insanely fun day, but they've had to move it inside. They've had to cancel it. I think, no, they didn't outright cancel. They just changed venues. And one, was it last year was only open to the media, so you got to go, and I technically probably could have, but I didn't. It's just been an odd set of circumstances. I like to see the spring spring game, too, just because it, it signals the start of the football season. You get to see the younger players in action, and the weather's starting to get better. You're getting in that itch again that football season is, is creeping closer. So hopefully they can get it outside again. Last year they moved it inside, like you said, with the media, and then it was on Big Ten Network. It's much better when they can get all the fans on the tailgate lots and actually have it in the stadium. But with the earlier date again, there's a chance you could get hit with a big snowstorm again. Well, let's talk about real play on the field. Keandre Thomas entered the transfer portal. What do we know about that, if anything? It just 
Sounds like it was, from what I'm hearing, maybe differences with the coach, but also maybe just looking for a change of scenery. I don't see that as a huge surprise that Keandre left the program. You you saw a couple things, like he, he was suspended for a while, and it just didn't seem like maybe they saw eye-to-eye eye, uh, with the program. And it's, it's a demanding culture where you have to align with everything that they're looking for you to do. And if you don't, then there's a lot of other players that they continue to recruit at the defensive back position that can step into that role. So I wasn't too surprised. Mayan Ahanotu, he entered the transfer portal too. A defensive lineman, Chidi Ahanotu, was his dad who played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I was really excited about his potential when they first landed him. They beat out a lot of big programs in the process of, of recruiting him, and I thought this year he might be able to kick inside, play all three techs and defensive end. I didn't think that you could have enough defensive line depth, so I was a little bit surprised that he decided to enter the transfer portal, but again, it comes back to there's a lot of other external factors at play. You have to be able to fit exactly what the coaching staff's looking to do. Hat tip to my guy and your guy, our guy, Andy Greeter, one of uh first person I saw to tweet this. I know others have fo- followed, first one that I saw. Andy letting us know four Gophers have been invited to the Combine in Indy February 24th through March 1st. The obvious ones, receiver Tyler Johnson, Antoine Winfield Jr., of course, safety, and linebackers Carter Coughlin and Kamal Martin. This is going to be huge for them, Daniel. I think we expect all four to be drafted. This combine will help kind of pave the path for where it is that they do end up getting drafted. Yeah, the combine is a huge part of the draft process. I don't think people really realize how much in this modern era of the NFL teams are using testing metrics to decide if a player is even draftable or if they fit within the certain threshold that they're looking for uh, at a player in a specific position. So, for example, if a guy doesn't test well, they might not think he projects to be a fit in their system. They're looking ahead at long-range trends of players that, you know, big database have tested at a similar threshold. You can determine whether a player is in the 98th percentile and the 40. And when I look at the different numbers that, that matter, Tyler Johnson's 40-yard dash is going to be the big thing that every scout's going to want to see. We know that he's a very sudden route runner. He's very good in, t- in the tighter spaces where he can create with his footwork and and he's sudden in that area and a good route runner. But the big question is, will NFL teams be shied away because he doesn't have that straight line speed? Does he test at like a four five range? I think that would be an average testing threshold area based upon his projected measurements. So that would probably be a pretty good time for him, but is he able to improve that to the point where teams are feeling more confident? And then you look at Winfield, I've said it for a while. I feel like he comps between a, a blend of Tyron Matthew, Earl Thomas, Quandre Diggs. He probably fits well with his range and instincts in a heavy zone defense, a lot of cover three, playing single high, quarters coverages, that type of thing. Uh, he could play a hybrid kind of dime role in the NFL, but I love the, the different things that he provides just because of his natural uh, playmaking ability and the instincts that you see. So is he above average in testing categories? If he is, his stock's going to skyrocket even higher than it already is. And then when I transition into Carter Coughlin, I don't know which position he's going to play. Is he an off-ball linebacker in a 3-4 defense? Do they, do, does a team maybe consider playing him as a 4-3 Sam linebacker, converting him and investing time into that and using him on special teams in the meantime? He trimmed down to 234 pounds, so he's obviously considering playing the off-ball spot. But the big thing is going to be, 
where does he fit from my perspective? He probably has enough versatility as a disruptive blitzer and, you know, his versatility overall probably fits best in a hybrid role system where he can maybe play linebacker and flex over and be a pass rusher and blitz. And then with Kamal Martin, to me, uh, huge for his NFL stock if he can participate in the combine. He was recovering from an injury and couldn't do anything at the senior bowl except the interviews, but was extremely productive this year, even when facing injuries in eight games, only eight games. He had 66 tackles, the length, the athleticism, uh, his skills as a blitzer. There's a lot of uh, more versatility with him, too, kind of similar to Carter Coughlin. So teams will love his upside and his special teams value if he checks the boxes from a medical standpoint. Which one of those four, Daniel, you did a great job breaking them down, but which one of those four can help themselves the most? Is it Winfield Jr.? Is it perhaps Kamal Martin? Just from what you said, he didn't have as much of a chance to impress at the senior bowl, or is it is it Coughlin or Johnson? Which one can do the most good for themselves? Winfield easily, because right now he's in the fringe of being a day two pick, possibly, but I would honestly say he probably goes round three, and if he tests really, really, really well, he could get into the conversation of being a top 50 pick, because teams love his versatility, the ways that he can be used creatively. Uh, if he tests well, that, that's such a huge factor. And some people that I've talked with have said this to me too. They don't know exactly how he's going to test. His dad was unbelievable. I mean, he was in like the 9 out of 10 RAS area. I mean, he was phenomenal. And one of the best testing metric guys you're going to find, it's like a prototype a nickel cornerback. I don't expect Winfield to be in that area. But like I mentioned earlier, that Teron Matthew, Earl Thomas, Quandre Diggs, area. Earl Thomas was probably the best in the testing metric area out of all those. If he can fall into that category, uh, he's going to put himself in a position to be picked in the top 50 range, uh, potentially. Daniel, hat tip to uh, another group that you're involved with, uh, involved with, and of course, one that we work with as well here at Score North with uh, Gopher Hole. They alerted me to this quote from Kurt Chiraca that I think he he maybe unintentionally threw some shit through. Say that fast. Threw some shade. I'm like, what's what's that Geico commercial with the uh, how much wood could a woodchuck? Chuck, that was me right there. Kirk Sharaka <laughs> unintentionally throwing shade at the U, I believe. Unless maybe there's a backstory here, or maybe it didn't end so well between him and PJ. I have no clue. But I found this very interesting, and I saw this from Gopher Hole. I think it was yesterday, maybe two days ago. Quote. I really wanted to coach at a school where I felt like we had a legitimate chance to win a national championship, end quote. I can see based off of the reaction from, uh, I know I don't like saying this, but Gopher Nation, not too happy with that quote. Are we overreacting to that? Or is that just a guy trying to basically appease and placate to his new home? I was a little bit surprised to see the quotes and I watched the video to just see if it was taken out of context. And of course, coaches are going to talk about the new program highly that they're going to, they know that they went there for a reason and they obviously believe in what they're doing uh, in the future. And I feel like that's what Kirk was trying to say was, Hey, I picked this school because of James Franklin. I believe in what he's doing. And he, he, he really, truly thinks that they are in the conversation to be a legitimate national championship team. 
and maybe it didn't come across the way that it should. And that, that happens quite a bit when coaches leave, and sometimes we don't know. There's always uh, relationships between the coaches that maybe don't end the right way. But Shiraka, more so than anything, I believe, took this job because he really wanted to be closer to home. And I thought maybe he would say that in this process, in this type of an interview. But instead, now the door is open for some for a lot of talkers when, when Chiraka comes out and, and makes a statement like that. Just for fun, though, let's play this out a bit, Daniel. I don't believe the percentages to be that much higher that he can win a national championship at Penn State than Minnesota. Do I believe it to be higher? Yes, I do. Is it even 20% higher? I'm not convinced that it is because let's just look – at the recent evidence of of Penn State. While they haven't yet appeared in a college football playoff, they never appeared in a BCS national championship, I think there's definitely a difference in programs, especially when you go across the country and even the name notoriety of Penn State. But I don't believe it to be... I don't think Penn State is like showing up at Florida or even... Boy, what what would be another school? Even maybe... I'm having trouble thinking of one now. Even like an Auburn, Texas. Yeah, even yeah, Texas. There you go. That's a that's a good comp. I just I, the comment didn't sit all that well with me. But yes, I I tend to believe it's what you said. I don't think he meant a ton by it. But when you see that, and I did watch the video too, it, it was it was a little awkward. And you're right. Everything that I had heard, it, and I I you know, it sounded like he even attempted to try and leave last year to go out east to be to be towards home. So I get that. I thought that would have been more part of it, but what realistically, how much of a percentage, what do you think the difference is that Penn State could win a national championship ahead of Minnesota? Is well, it is it more think, than 20%? I don't think it is. I don't think it is either, just because of the, the they're in the same type of situation as Minnesota. You're going to have to elevate your recruiting significantly, even more than they already have. Obviously, Penn State's positioned a little bit better in that area, but Minnesota can easily get there, and they're continuing to really push the envelope with their recruiting. So I don't view it any differently. Minnesota's positioned in a similar type of market that they can recruit. They're the only D1 school in the state. So this is just the beginning. I know people were really freaking out about P.J. Fleck's last recruiting class, and they're like, well, I thought he would capitalize upon the momentum of the Outback Bowl more, but you need to realize that the recruiting class, they had early commitments going way back before the season even started. They had more than 20 players committed already. So you're going to notice the impact of that going into the next class because that's when you know, you're going to have your guys locked in over the summer that you want for the next cycle. So you're going to notice that impact later. And to me, to answer your question, Penn State and Minnesota are very similar, and you saw it when, with the way Minnesota played the Nittany Lions this year, I view them as very similar, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's just, again, to me, I found the entire thing a a little awkward, and I think Penn State can easily win a national championship. I think Minnesota, this will shock a lot of people. I told this to people recently, this was not on air, but with a bunch of uh, score northers. I believe Minnesota can elevate themselves into being one of those teams, maybe in fringe national championship territory. Is it going to be next year? 
I'm not sure. But if P.J. stays, could they do it in three to five years? Yeah, I absolutely believe with the evidence that he's now shown at Western Michigan here at Minnesota, the evidence in the track record would lead you to believe that that's possible. So I just, I don't really view it to be that much of a huge change, which is why the quote stuck out to me as a little awkward. A couple of former Gopher football coaches on the move. We'll close with this. I'm a huge Craig Bull guy. I'm a huge Wyoming guy. Catch a lot of their games late night on Saturday night. Jay Saval getting a chance to be the defensive coordinator there. I feel like this will be a good fit for him. I think where Wyoming's at, and I don't know how much you can break down Wyoming house. You you probably can, but I think this is a good fit. I think there's some parallels and some similarities to when he was here at Minnesota. Wake, Wake Forest to me always seemed like an odd fit because the defense that he wanted to play with the players that he had, I'm not sure that fit with the ACC. I think he's going to do just fine with Wyoming. I do too, and I feel like the the fit of developing players in Wyoming, he's going to have the the type of caliber talent that he loves to coach, which is those guys that maybe are under-recruited that he feels will fit their system. He knows how to develop those guys, and I I believe – you know, when he was here in Minnesota, he did a, trim, a tremendous job of developing defensive back talent and identifying guys that fit his system best. And I know Craig Bowles is going to be a guy that really allows him to make his mark on that defense. And Savell waited for the right opportunity, and now he's probably right where he wants to be because he was patient and waited for the right opportunity to, to come forth. And Daniel, we can laugh as much as we want about the next one that I'm going to say, especially when I get to the name. But he must do decent work because Tim Brewster keeps landing decent jobs at pretty big universities. He's now off to Florida. I can't believe it. Bruce's still going strong. There's, there's, <laughs> the chili is still hot in the pot, man. It's incredible. What happened with Mac Brown? I don't know, and and he jumps around so much, he, but yet he finds work everywhere. It's like a friend just says, "All right, I want to I want to add you here and bring your expertise," and then he just jumps to the next spot. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that one I was actually mildly surprised because he already left a decent job, and he you know he had been at Florida State and Texas A and M with Jimbo Fisher. It was a little odd to go to North Carolina until, of course, you put the you put two and two together, and Mac Brown's there, and he was with Mac Brown all those years ago, so that makes sense. This one was just to me a little crazy because you you thought that maybe he would spend a little bit of time with Mac Brown, maybe I don't know if he'll ever truly elevate himself up to a really high level job, but I've always thought at some point, even though it didn't work here and it was largely a failure house, it has always surprised me he's never at least become a coordinator somewhere or coached, been a head coach for like a team in the MAC or the Sun Belt. That has legitimately surprised me. I just don't think he has an interest in that. Just being a position guy and recruiting is probably enough for him, and he doesn't want to go down that avenue again, especially based upon how it went last time. If anything... I'm surprised he hasn't went to the NFL level as a position coach again and explored that avenue. Instead, he just keeps going around position coach jobs in, in the in the college ranks. The new Jack's Pizza packaging, what do you think? The new I'm retro saying, feel. I like the retro. Any Anytime we can bring retro into the equation, we need to do that. Have you tried the Chicken Supreme yet? Have you found it? 
I haven't tried it yet. I got to get to a hive over in Minnesota. I gotta, yeah, I got I got to snatch that up when I'm over there. You know, maybe what I'll do is you let me know when you're going to be near the Score North Studios. I'll try and snatch a few for you and pop them in the freezer here at uh, at Hubbard Central. Well, then we need to do the cooking video because I know we have such loyal <laughs> listeners that. That they want to see us cook off and, and have some jack. Yeah, what we should do is we should actually find Rami and have, I don't want to take business out of Jack's oh, hands. Oh, yeah. But what we should do is we should have Rami give us a recipe for how to make our own Jack's type pizzas because not just everybody can perfect that perfect thin crust that Jack's pizza has. Rami's got to review our pizzas and we're going to do a blind taste test. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll we'll have to again with that blind taste test. We'll have to show the times of how long they were cooked. Yep, everyone's gonna see the evidence is out there. <laughs> Housey, you are the absolute best. This was a ton of fun, and hopefully next week we can corral myself, Murph, and you, and we can have the band back together and preview Gophers and Iowa from the barn next Sunday. I'm just happy that that the Score North Studios didn't have a, a trading period like the Timberwolves. They kept all of us together, so that's the good news. I don't know how much you saw today. I'm assuming you did. How hilarious was it to see literally two-thirds of a roster in early February standing up there with their new jerseys? And then they're talking about, how do you think you're going to fit with the current guys on the roster? It's like there's only two left from nine months ago. <laughs> they're all new. Yeah. We haven't even met them yet. It's it's borderline an expansion team. I mean, I other, other than you have a borderline, I don't know how much of a star we have. I think a lot of that's going to be played out the rest of this year into next year. But literally, other than Towns and Akogi, it's it's a thrown-together roster. It's nuts. I just think... Did I cut you off? I'm sorry. I'm just, th- I'm just thankful that we're all still intact at Score North. Well, yes, and we will be back hopefully next uh, late next week for another edition of the Score North Gophers Show. House, you're the best. Where can people find you and uh, read your work? You can find me at Daniel House NFL on Twitter and check out all my content for Gopher Hoops and Gopher Football. And those hot Jack's pizza takes. Hot takes all the time. <laughs> Thanks, House. That is Daniel House again at Daniel House NFL on Twitter. I'm Ross Brendel at Brendel Ross on Twitter. This has been the Score North Gophers Show. We'll be back again soon, probably a few times next week. So make sure you are monitoring this feed and setting those alerts. And please, a positive, favorable review would be much appreciated. That'll do it for this edition of the Score North Gophers Show. Thanks for listening.